It's like I told Wit after the first two years, you hired me for what's about to come. Because what's about to come is the hard part. That's your boy. That's your judge of character. I don't know if I can follow that one up. Khalil Herbert is everything we dreamed of and more. Pete, nobody's looking <laughs> at your tweets. I love our guys. I love where we're going and what we're doing. We cannot stop fighting the good fight. I'm going to end up in a Columbia prison. I'm yelling into the void, <laughs> and that's what I like doing. Get you somebody not... that loves spruce tips as much as Pete does. Why did I pick Pitt to cover 14 points against NC State? I'm warm. Do we need to get better? You bet. And is that my responsibility? 100%. I want to know what you're drinking, Rob. It is roasty goodness, even though I was What's out. What's the percent on that? 11. Smells like you're drinking like a cleaning solution. We're going to put this old guy in a grave. The end has already been written. We just got to go through the hard part to get there. And I mow the lawn after work before the podcast. Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence, brought to you by Downtown Crown Wine and Beer and Dominion Wine and Beer. My name is Pete Berthaud, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. We're doing our UNC preview, Robbie. We've been talking a little bit tonight about the season, getting a little excited, but now it's time to get into the nuts and bolts of UNC. Are you ready for the Mac Brownathon? Let's let's do it. He's really thrown it back in our face with all the mocking of uh, the Mac Brown hire that uh, took place, and uh, I'll say nobody, everybody. Les Miles took the, the the award for everybody making the most fun of a hire that was not going to work out. It obviously failed. Uh, in in more ways than just on the field, obviously. Just a complete explosion, yes. And uh, Mac Brown was like number two on that list, and he's just managed to just give everybody the double birds uh, on the recruiting and uh, with his quarterback and just across the board. He hired right, man. He got he got good coordinators in there, got good recruiters in there, and um, probably some uh, illegal payments uh, prior to NIL that went on, but. Hey, man, they're recruiting like crazy. He's in year three as the head coach. And I know some people thought they kind of didn't play that well last year, maybe like under-delivered. But they were 8-4, and four, and they were 7-3 and three in the ACC. And for a head coach in year two, when the season before he got there, they won like three games or something under Fedora. Like, yeah. he's done an amazing job. Yeah, I think we forget how much of a dumpster fire it started to turn turn into towards the tail end of Fedora, after Fedora had a ten win season and was running mm-hmm. high, or riding high, and then it just fell off a cliff towards the end. That's true. So UNC Friday, nine three six p.m. on the mothership ESPN. I am excited. I can't wait to have some buddies over, get the beers out early, start drinking, maybe. Do a fire pit action before, during, after the game. Who knows? But I am pumped to watch the game. Uh, but UNC provides a stiff challenge. They finished 18th in the AP poll last year. They got as high as number five before yep. they lost to FSU in week four. And they beat us 56-45 to 45 in a game we were missing quite a few players in our back end. And they, they racked up 399 rushing yards, 9.3 yards Per rush in that game, almost a first down every rush. Yeah, I don't know why they even threw the ball. There's no point at that point. Just, just keep, just keep running it. They have 16 starters back, and the most notable, most talked about, most hyped ever is Sam Howell. He is a Heisman hopeful. He has the most touchdown passes of any ACC quarterback through two seasons. And keep in mind, one of those seasons was not a regular season and it was shortened by at least one game. So he's awesome. 
He's really, really good, <laughs> and he improved year over year. As much as I want to hate on him and his beautifully manicured beard, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I can't. The guy is, the guy is really good. I think, um, yes, yes, it's it's... I think I can't handle it just because I listened to um, the Cover 2 podcast and Braden Gall, if you haven't listened to it, his infatuation is unparalleled with uh, Sam Howell. So it's it, to the point where it's, uh, I can't, I, I, I hate, I don't want to hate on a guy that's good. He's very, very good, but uh, it leaves a, a bad taste in my mouth. So let's let's start with the offense and Sam and all that good stuff. A lot of people want to talk about what they've lost because they lost Michael Carter. They lost Javante Williams, two highly drafted running backs. They lost Daz Newsome, Dynami Brown, two fantastic and previously thousand yard receivers. Uh, but yet Bill Connolly still has them as the number four projected offense for this year. And that's higher than they were last year. <laughs> I... Yeah, I don't. I don't understand it. I, I mean, you went through the names, and it doesn't make any sense to me because uh, and Michael Carter and Javante Williams, two thousand yard rushers, they had a combined what was it twenty eight TDs between the the two of them. Uh, it was just, and they had um, each had almost three hundred yards receiving on top of that, and then five TDs between the two of them. So, and then you replace them with Ty Chandler from Tennessee at UT. This guy had a hundred rushes for 456 yards. Um, obviously pretty highly recruited. He had four TDs. I haven't watched his film, but I have watched Tennessee just in general. And, um, (laughs) there's nothing that ever popped off the, the, off of the screen for me. He had 16 receptions for 111 yards. Um, there's a couple guys that we can get into behind him, but, Everybody's talking about Chandler like it's just a it's a sure thing. Uh, I, you're replacing two unbelievable running backs there. That so it's a I, I'm not quite as certain about this guy as as everybody else seems to be. Well, I'll ex- try to explain as best as I can in in terms of why I think Bills rankings are that high and one it is because they're bringing in a super senior in Chandler who I know his single season yards aren't great, but he had run for 2,000 yards in his Mm -hmm. time at Tennessee and 4.9 yards per carry over his career. That's pretty solid. And with the holes that UNC was opening up on us last year, I mean, I think Chandler could have managed to run pretty well against us too. So he's not as good as the two guys that just left. He's he's not, and and I'm aware of that. But 6'210", he's got good size. He's certainly capable He's able to catch the ball a little bit as well. 16 total TDs in his years at Tennessee. He's good, but I think what the rankings are based on is the fact that they're bringing back the whole offensive line for him to run behind. They're bringing back a quarterback who showed incredible improvement, even though he was a stud as a freshman. He increased his passer rating. He increased his QBR. He increased his completion percentage. He got better in just about every efficiency metric. Now, the total season stats are not fair because of the way the season played out. And he got off to a little bit of a slow start. If you remember that Syracuse game, they kind of had to turn it on late before they played us. But he's not even 21 yet, Sam Howell. 
Like he's not, he can't even drink legally yet. The kid is very, very good. So if you're basing it on improvement and you got that offensive line coming back and you got Hal coming back and you've got, let's face it, they're recruiting at a high level. Guys coming in at the wide receiver position that shouldn't be too much of a step down from what they had. It's scary. It really is. Yeah, I I hear you. And, you know, to finish, finish the thought, so... You know, they have British Brooks and I think DJ Jones are the two running backs behind uh, Chandler. Two, I think they're kind of 5'11", stocky dudes, 205, that type of uh, build. So I think that'll be um, a little bit of a change against, uh, you know, the Chandler to, to bring in there. So that, that rounds out the running back core. You can't say enough about, you know, Sam Howell. I think he's great. The offensive line that they're bringing back obviously did a tr- tremendous do- job in um, in blocking for the run. I mean, there's no way that you can kind of put up the stats that those guys did um, without that. They they kind of had, um, they had some issues with sacks. Uh, and whether that was on Howell holding the ball a little bit too long. So they gave up 33 sacks, and it's something that got called out. Um, a bunch in the offseason this year. That's something that they needed to improve on. But with the stats that Sam put out there, you almost feel like that um, the opposite of what happened in our defensive line, where we had you know good sack numbers, but overall inconsistency, I feel like they had bad sack numbers that they gave up, but were overall pretty good in pass protection. Otherwise, there's no way Sam Howell's putting up those stats, no matter how good he is, unless they, they were giving him time and giving him some room to throw the ball. Obviously, uh, Sam made up for you know any any fits and starts that they may have had on the line. So getting all of those guys, all five of those starters back is gonna be is gonna be huge. So um, that's a that's a huge step up for for them. So in that position. And they're also bringing back their tight end in Garrett Walston, who was a good player and maybe didn't get as many receptions as he should have gotten because of Carter and Williams and Newsom and Brown. So he could contribute more. You got Coffrey Brown, the brother of Dynami on the team at a wide receiver. Josh Downs is a guy that only had seven catches last year, but three touchdowns. He's going to be a slot guy. Big play threat. I'm, I'm worried about Josh Downs. And then Bo Corrales is a name we've heard for a couple years. He's a super senior coming back for an extra COVID year. Battled injuries last year, uh, but has over 1,100 yards and 12 touchdowns in his career. Emery Simmons is someone who's flashed for them at times. Antoine Green, Olston, Blackwell. These are all guys they're excited about in the receiving core. It's, I'm not saying that these any of these guys are as good, but you've got downfield threats. You've got consistent threats like Walston this is something to be um alarmed about so despite the losses the expectations are still high in the media to me Mm -hmm. I I think it's going to be a problem and even with how I feel about the DBs and how strongly I feel that they'll be good I still think that how could rip us to shreds It, it could happen yeah I mean the Diami Brown he was a thousand yard receiver, eight TDs. Daz Newsom, we've known obviously for a long time. Um, oh, he's and, tortured us. Yeah. yeah, he's tortured us for a long time. But Dynamic Brown really helped everybody out because he put his brother on the team. So his brother, <laughs> um, Caffrey Brown, is kind of a speedy deep threat for for them. Um, I do think, you know, between him and Wilson and Corrales and, and a lot of the guys in green, I think they do have a lot of production here. They're just, I don't know if Brown was as known of a quantity going into the last season, but Newsom certainly was. Um, so 
I think um, we've seen a little bit of these guys, and Garrett Wilson we probably seen, would have seen more of um, if those guys weren't um, so good and the running backs weren't so good, especially in catching the ball as well. Um, so I think we have a little bit of knowledge about them. I just, you know, those guys were so good, and all four of them in those respective running back and wide receiver positions are now playing in the NFL Whenever you're replacing them with other guys, it's just hard to fathom that you're immediately going to replace them with just four more NFL guys. I totally agree with you because I feel that way about losing Darisol. Like I don't think you like to, even Tenuto, with how good I think he'll be, can just step in and be Darisol. Like it's just it just doesn't happen like that when you lose a first round pick typically. Um, so there will be a downgrade, but it's. It's how much does Hal's improvement, how much does the offensive line improvement help make up for that? That's right. I think that's the real dynamic here is people feel so confident because of Hal and the offensive line that they're willing to overlook and figure and, and see that they'll probably come up with solutions at running back and wide receivers that will be more than adequate to make this a really potent offense. Switching over to defense, this is a group that wasn't very good last year. They're actually worse than the Virginia Tech defense. In the S&P Plus, they finished at 53rd. We were a few spots ahead at 48, but they were better than us in yards per play, although that wasn't too, too difficult. They were 74th in yards per play. They lost Chasserat, which Chasserat's career is one of the more strange ones of anyone. Yes. He was the starting quarterback, was terrible, lost his job. It's like, oh, that's the end of that guy. Then he became an all-ACC linebacker and got drafted. <laughs> like, yeah. How does that happen? It's, yeah. He, he goes from quarterback to stud linebacker, then at linebacker as it goes, granted, the defense was not very good, but becomes their leading tackler and second on the team in sacks with six sacks. <laughs> just, you know, just switch over and then get drafted. So they lost him, but they are getting eight starters back. And that doesn't even include Tony Grimes or Storm Duck because those guys, uh, Duck... It's weird because Doug has started 11 games, but he wasn't the starter at the end of last year because he got hurt. And Grimes only started four games, was a five-star freshman last year. So both of those guys could be all ACC. We got junior and seniors everywhere on this defense. Um, and they were 16th in sacks per game last year. So again, another team that not a great defense overall, but was able to get to the quarterback. Uh, so I, I kind of think this defense mirrors us in a lot of different ways. One, because of the veterans. Two, because of the strong defensive backs. And three, because of the disconnect between playmaking and yet not being consistent. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly right. It, you know, we're, we're jumping around a little bit, but you have Timon Fox had seven sacks last year um, coming from the, the outside position at linebacker. Um, and, you know, I, I think they'll they'll be good. They have um, a few other people in, in that position. Um, Grimmel is in there. I think they have some some depth there. The I'll jump to the defensive backs and then finish it off at the line. The defensive backs, they only had eight interceptions last year. I think we had 12 uh, last year. So I think, you know, in the offseason, they talked a lot about how those guys need to really step up their game and be – you know, a lot more big play guys and so really try and create some turnovers, create some havoc. Um, but, you know, it's a host of veterans. I mean, at safety and at cornerback, you have Morrison, Chapman, Kelly, um, 
you know, Grimes, um, McMichael and Storm Duck that you talked about who was injured last season. So they have a ton of depth back there. I think it's really them trying to, to step up and, and make some bigger plays, which were um, few and far between last season. Yeah, the veteran Kyler McMichael kind of has to take a back seat right now to duck and grinds because they have shown the ability to potentially be shut down corners. But McMichael is pretty darn good in his own right. Trey Morrison's kind of their free safety, nickel safety. Uh, Don Chapman was fourth in the team in tackles last year. 40 solo tackles for a safety. Uh, he's going to play a lot of nickel this year, I think. And then you got Biggers and Conley at safety as well, who they feel good about. And the reason there's so many safeties and nickels or whatever is because they kind of play a 3-3-5 at UNC. And so it ends up being a lot of names. But what you need to know is there's a lot of guys who've played a lot of football, and the ones who haven't played a lot of football are extremely talented. So it's a scary group in their back end. By the end of the season, you don't want to be facing this DB group to me because I think they're just going to get better and better throughout the year. Uh, We might have a chance to – to sneak some longer plays in on them early here and Duck coming back from the injury and Grimes still being young, but they will improve throughout the season. Just a ridiculously talented group. Uh, If we want to talk about their line, I think that is the weak point of their defense. And it's not particularly like weak, so to speak. There's a lot of guys who have played a lot, but uh, I think they're going to be susceptible up front a little bit. Yeah, it's tough to tell when you play that kind of 3-3-5 because you have so much more involvement of the linebackers and they're so much more critical. Um, and uh, But they still manage to get some some pressure in there. You have Tamari Fox. He's a big defensive end. He had four sacks last year. Their nose tackle, uh, Vohasek, he can get some pressure. He had three and a half sacks. He's really cool. anchoring that defense, 300 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but behind those two, they, I think they may have some talent, and they said they have a lot more length, I think, on the defensive line this year, but not a lot to point to in terms of stats and what people in production those in, in that regard. Mm-hmm. And what scares me about their line is not so much you know, the other Fox brother and Tamari or even Miles Murphy, who was a four-star recruit. It's, it's the consistent depth that they have. I, I know that a lot of these guys haven't played much in Bingley Jones or – uh, Silver or even the preseason freshman All-America, uh, Javari Ritzy, but they're all four- and five-star recruits. Yep. Like they, These guys will contribute, and they will play. I mean, they got – Silver's a five-star. So mm-hmm. it, it's uh, – it's there's a lot of talent, and I'm – I worry – again, it's a team I'm kind of glad I'm playing early on because I think later in the year these defensive line studs will emerge – but for right now, it's a team that I think our offensive line will be able to push a little bit up front. Their linebackers are good. Fox and Gemmel and Eugene Asante, a guy we recruited pretty heavily, is taking Surratt's place. Uh, even Tyrone Hopper, a super senior, they, they got players at linebacker that can play. It's a good It's a good unit. But I think the key for us will be running the ball a bit in this game. I, I, especially with our unknown with, with Braxton, maybe you get payout on a deep route. Maybe you get, you know, Tavion in the slot doing some more slant patterns this year, but our bread is going to be buttered in the run game. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, um, so overall it, they should take a, I think a big step, uh, you know, forward here. Um, Surratt is really the only key loss that they have across this defensive unit that you would really think about. Um, 
And I feel like there's a lot of pressure on them to really improve with how good the offense was last year. I think that they feel the defense was really the only thing inhibiting for them from really going and, and trying to, you know, give Clemson a really good run and, and potentially be a playoff team last year. And, and this year, um, that's probably if the offense does what we just talked about and the offensive line, the, and the quarterback are as good as they, we expect them to be. The defense is really the only thing holding them back from being a, a top 10 team. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I am comforted only slightly by bill putting their defense. I think at a projected 49th in the SP plus. So, even with a very good secondary uh, and up front, the young guys and a good linebacking core, I, I do think they're going to struggle early and then get better and better. So hopefully we we benefit from that. They're special teams. They've got a senior kicker, a junior punter, and Chandler and Downs are going to be their return men for whatever that's worth. But I figured we'd fill you in on that. They should be explosive again. I mean, it's their new weapons might take some time to get in rhythm as well. And I told you that, Hal struggled at the beginning of last year, so hopefully that happens again. We've got the Fuente thing and how, you know, it's been a standard line that people kind of like to say, like, he usually plays well in these opening games, so we'll see. But the the opening games that he's done well in are West Virginia, 2017, FSU, 2018, NC State last year. I'm not sure any of those teams were over 500. So, yeah, well, like that the FSU end of the season. team was abysmal, and yeah, that was they, that was when their the peak of their offensive line problems, where they they could have put you out there and probably gotten a, you know better pass protection. <laughs> yeah, the, I, you I might be doing NC State last year a disservice because I think they were the best of the three. West Virginia was six and six the year we beat them, and I know they had a lot of offensive talent. But I, when Fuente has time to prepare, I do agree. He usually does a pretty solid coaching job. So I'm expecting us to not go out there and lay an egg. And I'm hoping we can benefit from the fact that UNC did just lose a lot of offensive weapons up front. And they are young in some parts of their defense. But there are also a lot of veterans. So we need to wear their linebackers down. We need to run the ball. We need to keep running the ball. I'm hoping we can push them around, wear Gemmel out, wear Asante out, and... Put some points up early and shorten this game because I don't want to be going toe-to-toe giving Sam 70 plays, 80 plays. I just don't want to do that. Well, the odds are going to be stacked way against us. I mean, we need to slow down the clock um, dramatically. Um, well, speed up the clock is probably the better way to yeah, put it. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, in, in, give slow down the amount of time that they have the ball. Um, and that's the only way we're going to be able to do that is is with a good run game in in this one. And I think that we can do it if they are relying that heavily on their defensive backs. Then I think it's going to give us an opportunity up front with our with our offensive line to to if we can't get some get things going with Blackshear, then you know we can try it with Holston. We can move things around, bring King in. I think we'll be able to get a run game going there, and that. And that doesn't even account for you know bringing in fly sweeps and, and things like that to, to, to really mix it up and try and stretch the field horizontally. I also don't think we can win the game unless we get a few big plays. I don't expect a lot of big plays in the past game, but just a couple. And I think Mitchell needs to have a big day. For some reason, I just the style of UNC's defense and, and where their strengths are, I just feel like he's going to be such a big factor. I hope we're scheming him up, James Mitchell, to have a big day. 
because unfortunately, I think UNC is just, they're just the better all-around team with the better quarterback. But does being at home for us for the first time since 2019 with a crowd in Lane Stadium give us a chance? It absolutely does. And it really, I think it's going to be strange to see how everybody feeds off of the new environment this year and what it's going to, it's a Friday night game. I mean, six o'clock, it's going to be on ESPN, should be loud in lane. Um, and I, I think that's going to add a little bit of energy that things were, were lacking. It, heck, it could add some energy for UNC as well. I mean, there's plenty of teams that have talked about going into other people's stadiums and that's gotten them pretty juiced up as, but I do think, um, for, I think by week two, week three, the home away is going to go back to really not mattering as much to, you know, what Tom Fernelli talks about. Um, and I think, but in week one, especially being, you know, a Friday night game, I think it could be pretty important in this one. Yeah. I really hope our D line can get some pressure because if we can't pressure Sam Howell, it's going to be a long night. And I, I think Barno will get there. I think Garbit might have his chance, and hopefully a couple of the DTs break through or Dax or Chamari Connor comes around the end and, and gets a sack, but we got to get some pressure on Sam Howell or it's going to be a long night. The over-under is 65. Does that count as a shootout to you? If, if it's a 65 total, is that shootout worthy or is high, it? High 60s is, is pretty high. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a, especially for – at least if we're looking at traditional Virginia Tech games. I mean, that's pretty that's pretty high. So what do they tell you about a spread when it's a shootout? When it's a shootout? What do they, Don't always, they say take the points? Yeah, you always take the points. Yeah. So, okay. I mean, that would that would lean taking Virginia Tech in the spread. I mean, we don't pick Virginia Tech spreads anymore on this podcast, but yeah. it's, a, it's just one school of thought. If 65 is shoot, 65 is high to me. That yeah. seems high, and I – I've said on Twitter I like the under. I think it was 66 when I said that, but same difference. Um, I like the under just because I think the defenses will be better this year, and I think early in the season this year, it, it, you know, getting the offenses on track when it's a crowd and everything could be harder. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of hangover there from how crazy last last you know season was with that that game. So I agree. I I do think it could be you know, 28 and then, you know, to get to maybe low, low thirties, um, or approaching 30, but I, I could see, you know, something losing by, you know, five and, and being able to put up, you know, four touchdowns, three touchdowns, something along those lines. The last two times we played UNC and maybe 2017 as well. I'm trying to remember what 2018 was, but it went way over. In the six overtime game clearly went way over. Yes. And then last year was 56-45. That went way over 60. So that's what this is like playing off of. I just think these these teams are a little bit of a, a different makeup. Maybe not. Maybe maybe you should look at the historic nature of it. Uh, I don't usually bet over-unders anyway. I just, I just felt like that came in looking a little high. All right, Robbie, you want to do our picks? Yeah, but, let's, uh, let's do a beer break and then get into oh, the Oh, yeah, picks. beer break. Yeah, let's do it. What are you? Uh, what are you having over there? I am drinking my last taste of the summer. It's the Polliner Grapefruit Rattler. It is a low alcohol. I think it's like only two and a half percent alcohol. Rattler meaning half beer, half juice. Generally, that's what the Germans invented it so they could uh, bike ride and um, 
also drink. So that's what a <laughs> Rattler is. And I don't really typically like grapefruit things, whether it's non-alcoholic seltzer or, you know, grapefruit white claw. I'm not a grapefruit guy, but this thing is absolutely tasty. My sister was drinking them all week at the beach mm-hmm. and uh, I brought one home with me and it just, it's sweet. It's like, um, it's like fruit juice. It really is. But the Polliner grapefruit rattler, if you're trying to enjoy the tail end of your summer, it comes in a bomber too. It's a 16 ounce can. Um, these things are absolutely delicious. What do you have? So I'm drinking uh, non-alcohol, an AF beer, uh, Surreal Brewing Company, Juicy Mavs, uh, Hazy IPA. Uh, this one, it's pretty good. It's only 25 calories, so I'm, I'm watching my, my figure as well. It is uh, Surreal Brewing Company. It's out of Campbell, California. And this one was tough to get. They... A lot of these non-alcoholics, I try and go to untapped and the rankings are always abysmal for them. But I look towards the top end and see what's on there. And I couldn't find this one anywhere. And then Total Wine and Beverage uh, managed to get it in and start getting it in from the West Coast. So I picked it up. It's good. There's not much. They call it a hazy, but there's not much flavor in this one. It's certainly, certainly not that all that juicy. This one is a little bit subdued tastes like a traditional IPA without really too much of a kind of an IPA bite to it. So, um, without the alcohol, it's a, it's a little bit watered down, but it's, it's all right. It's, it's drinkable. I got to ask our sponsor, downtown crown wine and beer and dominion wine and beer, where they stand on the alcohol free, mm-hmm. non-alcoholic beers, whatever you want to call them. Um, cause I, I've never been searching for them when I've been in there, but mm-hmm. I'm sure they carry a few. They do. But I've, for uh, all your, checked it out. they do. Yeah. They have okay. some there. They got to improve the selection. So we'll be, uh, we'll be talking to them and, uh, and hoping to get some, some more in there, but they do. They do. For your alcoholic beer needs, they have got you covered. Incredible selection, both at downtown crown and at dominion wine and beer. They'll be with us all season, sponsoring the podcast again, and we can't say enough good things about that place. Uh, and they have the online ordering. They have you know no contact, uh, delivery, all that kind of stuff. They, they'll take care of you. And, and if you need, you want to have a party or anything like that, they'll work with you and, and try to do the best they can in terms of customer service. Uh, Arash is always doing, his, doing the darn thing over there, making it a good experience for everyone. Downtown Crown Wine and Beer in Gaithersburg and Dominion Wine and Beer in Falls Church. Make sure you hit them up this football season for all your hokey game needs. Let's get to these picks, Robbie. All right. A lot of good games this weekend. Opening weekend, Big Ten is in like full swing. They all have games. We already saw Nebraska and and Illinois. Burt's back. Yes. He came through with a hard-nosed offensive game plan and took down the Cornhuskers. But we got Penn State at Wisconsin in week one. Five-and-a-half-point favorites are the Badgers in Camp Randall. What are you thinking for this game? I struggled. I originally picked Penn State, and then I flipped it to Wisconsin. I think I almost flipped it back again. (laughs) I think – I think Penn, so Penn State's got a new offensive coordinator. They got a questionable quarterback. And Wisconsin had one of the top defenses in the nation last year. I don't know how much they're returning, but they've really had it together on that side of the the, um, the, the ball lately. So I went with, uh, with Wisconsin um, to cover those points uh, in Camp Randall. So Graham Mertz is coming back for Wisconsin, and he was – 
one of the highest rated recruits they've gotten, definitely the highest rated quarterback recruit to come to Wisconsin. Yep. And he started off hot and then he wasn't so hot. Penn State, they're in a little bit of a flux kind of rebuilding. I'm not so sure what's going on up at Penn State, but they're ranked. I mean, both these teams are ranked and I'm going to I want to take Penn State to cover cuz I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Graham Ertz. I know he was a I think a true freshman last year. So I don't want to put too much on the guy, but Wisconsin did not look good for a large part of last year. Yeah. I know COVID and everything else. I'm just going to take Penn state because I just don't know. So I'll take the points. Next game, Alabama versus Miami. This one's in Atlanta and Miami only 18 and a half point underdogs. <laughs> that only does that seem low to you? <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems, I, I don't know if this is uh Alabama has lost so much. Just they had so much talent go to the NFL. Miami people are high on. I think the mix of the two of those gets you to the 18 and a half. I don't know if it's one side or the other. It's necessarily driving the line. Miami is returning, like, I think the 14th most production in the country. They're they're bringing back a lot of people and and our top 15 in most of the preseason polls. So... It's Alabama, regardless of who they lose. It's hard to take Miami uh, in, you know, you're in a southern city. And so, you know, it's going to be a ton of Alabama fans at that game. I'm going to take Bama. All right. I might be in trouble. I had Miami. We're back to the always pick Bama, which has worked out (laughs) for you in the past. And then when you did. and, And Bama will be breaking in a new quarterback. There's a lot. That we don't know, but we do know that it is Alabama. So, with King's health, a little bit of a question mark. I'll, I'll, I'll take them to cover. Indiana at Iowa. Both of these teams are ranked, and Indiana is building off some momentum the last couple of years. Iowa has been a sneaky good team uh, mm-hmm. as of late, and they're three and a half point favorites at home. What do you got in this one, Robbie? I went against my better judgment. I took Iowa in this. People are, now that they're digging into rosters and what people are doing, people are getting higher on Iowa. I know Indiana um, is obviously live with last year, and, and they've been getting better and better um, as a as a team. I don't like the hook at the three and a half. No. That is no, no, not, no. not fun. Um, there's a lot of those. If you look across all of ours, it's... Yeah. It's all got brutal. They got yeah, and it's hooks at bad places. So we'll we'll get into all the spreads, but there's hooks on all these that really make it tough. I'm gonna go with Iowa. I'm gonna stick with it. Okay. Yeah, it's hard for me to trust Indiana, even with them having one of the best coaches in college football. I really think that like he's up there with the with the Iowa State coach and and a few of the other up and comers that probably will move on to greener pastures at some point. As it Tom Allen at, yeah. at Indiana, is that yep. right? Um that culture has got it going. Yeah. See, I was gonna go with you and I I think I'm gonna go with Indiana. I think I like more or less talked myself into it somehow there. So I'll take Indiana. I'll that hook is what I'm hoping for. I think Iowa wins the game, but it's close. Louisiana Lafayette at Texas. I again, Louisiana Lafayette weren't they the ones that beat Iowa State last year? Yes, in in week one or two. Yeah, um, and Iowa State went on to play in the mm-hmm. title game for the Big Twelve. So this Louisiana Lafayette team can play. I'm surprised that they're nine and a half point underdogs against Texas. Yeah, I have UOL in this game. So uh, also because. 
I just want to see Texas with their recent move just fall in their face. I mean, that would just be a thing of beauty. That, that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I like ULL as well. And maybe it's because people love to bet on Texas that this line is as big as it is. I, I, I to be perfectly honest, I have not dug into this matchup whatsoever, but I'm going to take ULL. <laughs> Next game, Georgia versus Clemson. This should be fun. This one's in Charlotte and is top five matchup. Clemson, three and a half point favorites, which I kind of expected it to be a little bit bigger. Like I, I thought the spread might be larger. I don't know. What do you think? I have Georgia. I think this game's going to be close. I think Georgia's going to be really good this year. Their talent is off the charts. They've they've gotten close. I think this might be the season that they really they really go for it. So... Um, uh, I think Clemson, you know what you're getting because we've seen them against Notre Dame, Uga Ognolele, um, and, uh, yeah, DJ and he, he's good, but I think UGA, I think they could still, I think they may lose this game, but I think it'll be really close. I think they could lose okay. it by, you know, three or, or less. I really like Clemson's offensive and defensive lines this year. And of, of course, Clemson, I mean, they're both, both these teams are just stupid talented. It's not even really fair. But I'm going to go with a track record, and I'm going to go with Clemson to cover that three and a half. Next game, LSU at UCLA. UCLA just got a big win against Hawaii in front of virtually no one yeah. in I think Los they said Angeles. Maybe 5,000 people <laughs> yeah, were in the looked, Rose Bowl, which is. And the Rose Bowl is big, so it was like it looked real sparse. Um, they are three-and-a-half-point underdogs against LSU. This is a funny game, like a funny out-of-conference game here. It's very strange. And, I mean, UCLA came out firing, and then they shut it down. Um, their quarterback, I think, went out. He said he had some cramps and things like that because it was like 100 degrees. Um, but they were they were up and um, handled that game. It's Hawaii, uh, I understand. I'm going to go UCLA here. I think that, I mean, LSU was not good last year. I know that they're going to get back to where they need to be. They have the talent to do so. Uh, I think UCLA didn't show a lot in that Hawaii game on purpose, but they were, they had enough time to kind of get their feet underneath them, and, and that'll play a little bit of an advantage for them. So um, I don't know if they'll pull it off, but I'm going to go with UCLA. Dude, this is <laughs> this line being what uh three and a half we're picking it at like yeah that's small and i I know it's lsu was bad last year they were so i i I get it being small but i still think like pac-12 sec would have been good for like seven points or something i i don't know um i gotta go with ucla maybe that's counterintuitive but to me it's like that's a stinky spread so i'm going with ucla LSU's got the whole hurricane thing going on right now, too, where they're staying in hotels, I think, out on the West Coast. Yeah. Um, and I think we've seen that before uh, with some of the Florida teams and tried to figure out what that was going to do, whether you know people wanted to take their mind off of things so they kind of devoted themselves into the game or, or if they're distracted, worrying about families and things like that. We've seen this come across. I don't know what's happened in the past, but they're definitely not – uh, in in great position given what they're having to do logistically for this game. I, I do think too playing a game already, especially against an opponent where 
you're up by a lot and you're able to rest your your good guys like you you're in the flow like yeah. you're, you've played like that's an advantage right now so I'm, I'm gonna stick with my ucla pick last game we're gonna pick notre dame at fsu this one's in doe campbell um seven and a half point underdogs again another hook another hook and with fsu like they were not good and Notre Dame was very good, but lost a lot. So I guess that's why the spread's only seven and a half. Uh, how are you feeling about this one? I don't know. I was flip-flopping. I thought this would have been 10, like 10, 11, yeah, somewhere upwards. I thought yeah. it would be double digits on the spread. When I saw seven and a half, I was really surprised, which makes me think something's fishy here. So, but... I'm going to go Notre Dame. I probably should pick FSU. Just given the line, it's making me a little bit queasy. It, it, to me, Notre Dame, yeah, 10 points should have been about where I picked it. Or like if I was making the spread, nine and a half, ten, 10, something like that. What concerns me about Notre Dame is Jack Cohn at quarterback. Because yeah. we saw Jack Cohn at Wisconsin, and he was pretty average. Yeah. And so can they go down to Tallahassee and get a big win week one? Well, we, we've seen Virginia Tech do that. I don't think that Doke is the same place it used to be, and I know FSU is still really talented, but I think Kyron Williams runs all over him, and I, 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 I don't want to overthink this one too much. I'm going to go with Notre Dame. All right. All right, that'll do it for the picks. Uh, man, feels good to get back in the swing of things, dude. I can't, I can't wait for Friday. What are your plans for the game? I don't have any, so that probably means sitting around the house in the basement and um, just watching there. I don't. I don't think we're going to do anything. I think we're going to. Luckily, I'm not competing with any other games and not competing with an Ohio State game on Saturday. So, um, all attention will be on the Hokies. I'm psyched. Uh, it's the season that we've been waiting for. I mean, I know that Virginia Tech. There's been a lot of crap that you can say and a lot of negativity that sometimes. Even myself has been known to perpetuate. However, <laughs> I am still very excited to see what Amari Barno can do, see what Burmeister can do, see if Blackshear lives up to my expectations, all that kind of stuff. That is that is the fun part of this. And I will say going into a season with a lot of unknowns and not really too many expectations, it's kind of fun. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Yeah, it makes it a little bit, I, I mean, we would all love to have really high expectations, but it does make it, Makes it a little bit easier. Yeah. So you guys can hit us on Twitter. It's at 2DVT. On Instagram, it's the same, at 2DVT. And then it's 2DVT.com is the website. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. And I know there's a lot of hokey content out there competing for your eardrums. But uh, if you've been with us since 2015, you might as well keep doing it this is year seven for us i think it's it's season number seven right 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 that's seven seasons yeah uh, that's kind of amazing man <laughs> it's uh yeah i mean before you know it, we're gonna be celebrating a decade <laughs> god yeah. i don't know if i want that to happen or don't want that to happen yeah, i don't know <laughs> yeah we'll see we'll see <laughs> we'll see how these next couple seasons go but uh thank you for listening as always we made it and enjoy the game Until next time, go Hokies.